Welcome to Disciple Her, a part of the Replicate Podcast Network, where we will hear from discipleship trailblazers, Candy Gallaty and Julie Woodruff. With over 50 years of combined experience in discipling women, we'll discuss how we can equip leaders through discipleship. Here are your hosts, Candy and Julie. Welcome to another episode of Disciple Her Podcast. I'm Julie Woodruff, and I'm here with two special friends today, Candy Gallaty. Candy, how are you? Hello, I'm good. How are you? I'm good. And we have a special guest today who is a dear friend, Jennifer Oliver, Jennifer Landreth Oliver. And I need to say that because Jen uh, and I have been friends for a long, long time. And actually, her husband, David, was pastor at Long Hollow when I was called to come on staff here. So the fact that I'm sitting not only with Mm -hmm. two dear friends, but two of my pastor's wives is kind of emotional. So I'm going to have to hurry up because I'm going (laughs) to cry if I don't because uh, we've we've all been through a lot together. And Jen, Mm -hmm. certainly we have. uh, And I would love uh, for you to share the journey. We served on staff. I came in 06. How long y'all, y- y'all were here to 14? I was here 17 and a half years. 17 and a half years pastor, total. But yeah. I don't remember the year we came. Yeah. <laughs> so welcome. Glad you're here. Yes. And uh, we, we would love for you just to That's share your journey with us because here's the deal. We all go into ministry thinking it's going to look one way. Mm-hmm. And then life takes turns that we don't expect and Jen yeah. that is certainly true for you and um and so it has not been an easy journey but would you share with us today just kind of um how God called you into ministry and then kind of some of the twists and turns that it took that you were not expecting well when I think back to when I really um felt called to ministry well I was saved as a nine-year-old but I remember it was at a church camp experience when I felt like God was saying, are you ready to give me everything? And at that point, you know, I wasn't sure, is he going to make me go to Africa or wear polyester the rest of my life? What's this going to look like? (laughs) I like that. that. (laughs) But I I, I knew at that point I was willing to do whatever he wanted me to do. I didn't know that was going to mean in the future that I was going to be a pastor's wife. Mm. But I fell in love with a guy who at that time was going to be a teacher and a coach. Mm. But it evolved into ministry. And so um, then I became a pastor's wife. And uh, little did I know, David and I went to Candy's Creek for seven years. And then we got to serve at Long Hollow for 17 and a half years. And both of those were blessings. I enjoyed every minute of it. But. Um, well, almost every minute. Yeah, I was going to say, every minute. <laughs> there was a few of those moments I'd let go. But, <laughs> but on March 5th, 2013, life took a really big turn. And that's when David got the diagnosis of having colorectal melanoma, which he was supposed to go on a mission trip to India. And he thought he had hemorrhoids and they just weren't going away. So he thought, I better go to the doctor before this long plane trip. Hmm. Well, when uh, he went to the doctor uh, and they started running some tests, and this came back, of course, everything got canceled. And from that point on, life really went in a different direction. Uh, that it was not the diagnosis we ever expected. David ran every morning. He was running marathons. And, you know, he, hmm. it was not, he was not somebody that didn't take care of himself, really. And so um, it came as a shock, and then the diagnosis was so dire. I remember, Julie, sitting with you and another close friend uh, at my kitchen table, and we just cried our eyes out together. And Mm. part of me kept thinking, okay, I'm the pastor's wife. I'm supposed to. I know Mm. we can get through this. 
But at the same time, it was just a devastating diagnosis. I just remember the utter shock. I remember yeah, it was a lot of and, shock, right? Mm-hmm, because we all, yeah, that was the least, the last thing we expected. Well, and his diagnosis, they said um, the average life expectancy was 22 months. I mean, when that just hits you like a brick, you know, you're thinking, what? And, um, but mm-hmm. I think still at that point, even though I was devastated by the diagnosis, I kept thinking, I mean, if there's a way to beg, plead, and pray this mm-hmm. thing away, then I'm going to do it, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. And so I was very determined in prayer to have a different outcome. Mm-hmm. We all and, were. Yeah. 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 And, and, and thought and believed with every fiber of our being that it would yes. be different. And I think that all over the world people were praying. Mm-hmm. People were sending me texts from the Garden of Gethsemane. You know, they were. I was mm-hmm. getting, uh, I mean, thoughts and prayers from all kinds of countries and states. And so... You know, I think we we did. I, I actually went on a journey at that point of every spare moment I was reading a book on prayer or mm-hmm. reading the word, you know, mm-hmm. just trying to figure out how I could pray more. You know, mm-hmm. or it, like, and I, I knew, too, that God is sovereign. And so I never did tell my kids this is how this is going to come out. Because I don't know. Mm-hmm. You know, I can pray, I can beg, I can plead, but God is still sovereign. So I don't know exactly what his plan is in all this. And I will say that even though until probably the last two weeks of David's life, I was I was pleading on behalf of the Lord to to let him live longer. But it felt like I had gone on some sort of strange divine journey. Mm. <laughs> and only thing I can and um, relate that to is when I take my three-year-old grandson out in the car seat, and sometimes he doesn't want to go to the grocery store with me, and he's flailing those arms and legs, and mm. that's what it felt like. Mm. God's taking me on a journey, but I don't want to go. <laughs> and I thought, I'm not sure how this is going to end, too. Um, you know, David and I had been through a lot of really tough stuff in our lives. I had had a miscarriage. I had um, dealt with two family members with bipolar. So some, we had some mental illness issues to deal with. Then Rachel had a heart issue before she was born. I was sent to the top specialist in the state in Texas. And so we went through that mm-hmm. journey. It took care of itself when she was born. And Sam had a tumor on his arm at five months. He had to go through surgery, not knowing what the outcome of that was going to be. Then he had to go through another surgery at six months. I mean, you know, we had been through some tough things. But I think that the comfort I always had was it was together. Mm -hmm. We got to the other side of the journey together. And this time I wasn't sure, is it going to end in a together? (laughs) So that's where I had a little bit of panic come in, I think. And I really thought, where's this coming from? Okay, I know I'm not supposed to be anxious, but it was really hard to go uh, month after month with that dark cloud hanging over, not knowing how this journey ends. Mm. Yeah, I just remember those days, Jen, of, um, of, of praying, but being there and just watching David go down. You know, and, and thinking, Lord, I don't, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going to end the way that that we're praying or that we think it's going to end. Mm-hmm. Um, and sure enough, we were praying for healing, and he was healed. We know that. But, man, mm-hmm. the journey 
to get there was excruciating. Right. It was. He lived for 20 months, mm-hmm. which we didn't wow. even make the average, but close. And he was begging just for five years. You mm-hmm. know, mm-hmm. we didn't get that like we had prayed and wanted. And um, but, you know, uh, like I said, God is sovereign and we have to trust in that. And at that time, my kids, when he was first diagnosed, were 16, 18, and Rachel had just gotten married. Mm-hmm. So we were all dealing with. Uh, this from different angles mm-hmm. of what was going on, but it was very much an emotional, physical, mental, spiritual roller coaster. Mm-hmm. You know, it, uh, many times you sat with me, Julie, at the hospital, and mm-hmm. we're waiting on scans, mm. and we'd get a good report, mm. and then the next day they might call back and say, "Well, so and so looked at this, and we need to look at this again. We're not sure. We think we yes. see a spot here." And it was just debilitating. Mm-hmm. I mean. And Mm -hmm. I just started finally praying, Lord, don't give us false hope because I can't handle it. (laughs) It was just such an emotional roller coaster. And the more you prayed, the the harder it got at that time because we were not getting the results we were wanting. Right. We weren't seeing it with the scans and the different tests and the doctors. Mm -hmm. We weren't getting the news, but you had to just kind of keep walking through it. Yeah, and and I'll mm. never forget, you know, uh, David lived those last that 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 time period out beautifully, and um, mm. he was such an encouragement to all of us as we watched him live that out. I remember he was a character; <laughs> he was a mess. And I remember the summer before he passed away, he was preaching every controversial topic known to man. And I wow. went in his office one day and I said, are you just trying to get the enemy <laughs> to come after you even more than he already is, you and your family? And he, I said, you're preaching every controversial topic. And he said, well, I don't know how much longer I've got, so I've got to do it. That's right. And yeah. sure enough, you wow. know, uh, that was in the summer and then October, uh-huh. um, November. November, November yeah. 14th. Yeah, he November 14th. died. Yes. yes. Um, mm-hmm. So that sent shockwaves yeah. too through yeah. all of us. Not you know your family, our church. It was a very difficult season to be sure. It it was, and I think um, the Lord though you know his, his word says he gives you new mercies every morning. Mm-hmm. He gives you the grace that you need to sustain you for that day, mm-hmm. not for mm-hmm. days to come. Mm-hmm. So good. And there were many months in the beginning that I don't think I could have taken the week that he died. Mm-hmm. But I think the two weeks prior, God prepared me. Mm-hmm. And um, I remember he had uh, had a brain bleed. And uh, so we went to the hospital and he had an operation come to find out that didn't help so then he had to go back in and it was just it it was just quickly going downhill Mm -hmm. and then they kept telling us well we're going to move you to palliative care just so you can rest down there and that was an experience Mm -hmm. Um, I finally I just watched David and he wanted to go home so bad and I thought we're not I, I don't there was only one more medication he could have tried and his oncologist was an eternal optimist, and he wanted to get him to a stable place to mm-hmm. be able to try this medicine. But I kept watching, and I thought, this is not going the direction, even though as much as I want to believe, this is I'm not sure. what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. Right. And so I remember asking the doctor in palliative care, I said, do you see him getting good and, you know, well enough to be able to try this last medicine? And she said, no. I said, okay, then get us out of here and send us home. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
And it was nine days later mm-hmm. that he did pass away. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. I think that at that point, though, I had been up around the clock giving him medicine every two hours of all different kinds. He was very nauseous. It was just a horrible journey. And I was so physically, mentally, spiritually <laughs> exhausted. And I, I was relieved because I didn't want to see him suffer anymore. I was okay mm-hmm. at that point, you mm-hmm. know. But um, so that's how that went. And, of course, you were at my house that morning mm-hmm. and uh, when we were making all the decisions on mm-hmm. all the funeral. It was like 2 or 3 in the morning. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and um, that started that journey of getting through. And, you know, it's what's weird. It's David and I never talked about um, okay, if I die, I want this in my service. I want this done. I, we just, I think I couldn't go there because mm-hmm. that was going to be admitting you're not going to make yeah. it. Yeah. I couldn't handle it. Mm-hmm. And so um, the kids and I just really had to come together to try and make all those decisions at that point because that I hear a lot of people say how they recorded all these things and they requested all these things for we didn't do that mm-hmm. yeah. so mm-hmm. then again all the planning of that yeah yeah um and just watching your family you know and and your kids go through um that time y'all the lord carried you mm-hmm. uh, in times mm-hmm. when you couldn't put one foot in front of the other mm-hmm. literally just no, so definitely. tired i remember seeing you in the hospital and just thinking lord you know, uh, I, I just don't know. And, and David, too. I, I'll mm-hmm. never forget the last time I saw him, and I just thought, Lord, I don't think mm. it's going to go longer. And then yet, those that time you had the nine days at home the Lord gave was gracious so right. that y'all could spend family mm-hmm. time together mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. in those days. Well, it's been it's been a journey. Yeah, um, It's been quite the journey. And um, uh, I'm grateful for for where the Lord has brought you in the midst of it, um, you you handled it with the strength of the Lord in the midst yeah. of it. And um, uh, we're going to come back. We're going to take a break, and we're going to come back and talk about because you said it several times. I was praying one way, and we all were. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yet things turned out differently. So let's take a quick break, and we'll be back. As you lead your disciple-making movement, the Replicate Network provides ongoing practical training and a community of like-minded church leaders to help you and your church thrive. Each month, you'll get frameworks, a Q&A time with Robbie Gallaty, and access to our online forums and groups. We will provide you with prayer and personal support, practical resources, discounts, and benefits as you seek to make disciples who make disciple-makers. Check out the Replicate Network today at replicatenetwork.com. All right, we are back, um, and we're going to continue talking to um, Jen Landreth Oliver about when God doesn't answer your prayers the way you want. And I know from my own past and the things that I've prayed for over the years, there have been things where God has answered and I've been just overjoyed. And then there have been other times where God hasn't answered or he definitely hasn't answered in the way I would have thought or the way I I was hoping for. And you may be out there listening and that's your experience as well. And there may be even something right now that you're bathing in prayer and you're 
hoping for an outcome and you're not sure if you're going to get it. And I know for me, you know, my brother was diagnosed with a lung illness when he was 14 and he's now 31. And I remember believing with everything that I had when he got that diagnosis that God was going to miraculously heal him. Like in a moment, his lungs were going to be opened and functioning like they should. And here we are 17 years later, and that has not happened yet. And there's a lot there to process and to try to understand. And Jen, you said this a while ago, but that the underlying truth that God is sovereign no matter what we're going through, even though it is painful, there is a level of trust and rest that we can take in God because we do know that he's sovereign, you know, and that he's in control. And sometimes we have nothing else to hold on to but that, you know, that he he is um, true and his way is right, even though it is extremely painful. Mm -hmm. And so all that to say is to um, just to encourage you if you are listening and that's your journey right now, you're praying for an outcome and you're not sure what to expect or if you're ever going to get that, um, to just remember that he is sovereign and he is good no matter what we're going through. And that may be all you have to cling to right now, but you cling to that with everything that you have as you walk through that journey. And, you know, I'm reminded a lot of the fact that Jesus in the garden, you know, he prays mm -hmm. for the cup to pass. Um, and if there was any other way, and there was no other way. And so I think a lot of times we can look at our situations and, um, and, and even situations not, not as serious as what we're talking about right now, but any situation where we don't get what we're hoping and praying for. But the fact that Jesus didn't get that either and that he can relate to us in that and in our prayers, um, I think is powerful mm -hmm. to be able to, for him, you know, he empathizes and sympathizes with us and what we're going through. And so Jen, really, we just kind of want to hear from you, like, um, even in spite of the fact that the Lord didn't answer in the way in which we all would have had desired and that y'all, you and your, and your kids would have hoped for how you saw God's goodness through that. Okay. You know? And Candy, I would agree with you. I think it's comforting to know that Jesus prayed, not my will, but yours. Mm -hmm. And that is, you know, we're not always going to get our will every mm -hmm. time we pray. But mm -hmm. that's tough because I think throughout my life, I had prayed about a lot of tough things and it eventually usually turned out okay. That's right. Mm -hmm. But this time it didn't. And so it took a different turn. Absolutely. Um, there's a verse in Isaiah 45, 3. It says, I will give you treasures in the darkness and riches hidden in secret places that you may know it is I, the Lord of Israel, who calls you by name. Mm. And I think during those dark days and not necessarily hearing God speak the way that I wanted him to, there were still some treasures in the, mm. that time. And one of them you kind of hit on, too, when you said, you know, God is still good. When we mm. don't feel his goodness... We have to remind ourselves with our head that mm. he is still good, even though you don't feel it with your heart. It's good. You're not seeing his goodness or feeling his goodness, but you know he is still good. And I've, I think I shared this with Grief Share at one point. Um, you know, there was a point where I even had to just speak that out loud and look mm -hmm. in the mirror because I was not feeling his goodness. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Mm. And uh, I had to do that, but also that he loves me. And that seems so simple and so mm -hmm. basic. But 
you know, when things that aren't really good all around you are happening, you've got to know that God still loves you because sometimes when bad things happen, we think God doesn't love us or he's forgotten us or he doesn't see us. Mm -hmm. And then the last one I would say is he has a plan for us. If we're still here, Mm -hmm. there's still a plan. Mm -hmm. And even though there were days it felt like I was walking in concrete, I knew, okay, I'm still here. He didn't take me with it, but there were some days I was ready for him to do that. (laughs) But for my kids, I think, Mm -hmm. at times, because I knew the journey ahead was going to be tough. Um, But uh, also in Isaiah 54, 5, it says, For your maker is your husband, the Lord Almighty is Mm. his name. The Holy One of Israel is your Redeemer, God of all the earth. And that's what I leaned on because I'm like, okay, I had a great husband in David, but now, Lord, you say you're my husband. Mm -hmm. Okay, so I'm dependent on you. So when things were happening in my life, uh, for instance, the next year, my mom was in a head-on collision, and it was a life-changing thing. And four days after I had uh, signed a contract for a house and to move back to my hometown of Cleveland, uh, my mom is then going to be in the hospital for 100 days. Now, I'm really having to lean on the Lord and think, what are you doing here? Mm-hmm. You know, not to mention some other things that were happening. But I thought, okay, Lord, you're my husband. You take it. I can't do anything with this. Mm-hmm. And I just had to really lean into the Lord. Uh, during those years, there were probably four or five years that were very dark. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was like you're walking through quicksand. Yeah. And you just couldn't. And well, just couldn't. Had, yeah. had it not been for friends like Julie and some others here at Long Hollow that came alongside me, I mean, there were days I, you know, we had so many great people at church and in my neighborhood, which I lived very close to the church, every other house, they came to the neighborhood, um, to the church. And so there were days I thought, I don't even want to walk to my mailbox mm-hmm. because if I have to see somebody, I mm. just can't talk. talk right? Right now. <laughs> you know, some days I could talk about it, some days I can't. I remember pulling up to the grocery store parking lots and thinking, if I run into somebody and they ask me, how are you doing? Or even when mm. David was sick, how is he doing? I thought some days I could talk, some days I couldn't. And sometimes I didn't know when it was going to hit till mm-hmm. it's hitting. Right, know? right. Um, but I, I just think, you know, I just learned in those days too to lean on the Lord and really pray to Him. But there were days when my, my I think my thoughts were so scattered mm. that I, it was hard to read at that point. And there, when David was diagnosed, my Kindle became my best friend because night and day I could pick that thing up and just keep my mind focused and not let it race. Right. But after he died, it was just really hard because I think. I was just so tired, and I was so scattered with everything that the one thing I had to do was I thought, I can't sit down and just read, but I knew I needed God's truth in me, Mm -hmm. so I would listen to Mm. sermons or podcasts and think, I need the truth in me, but I just couldn't sit and function to put it in for myself. Um, But I think Mm. back to the topic of you know, when prayers aren't answered the way you, it comes down to, I think, a basic, are you going to trust me, Lord? Mm-hmm. You know, tr- the, God is asking us, are you going to trust me or are you not? Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of pressure and darkness wanting you to just fold up yeah. and live in the fetal position mm-hmm. from that point on. Mm-hmm. And I remember I had a neighbor in my neighborhood who, after a divorce, had gone through a really dark time and she just stopped coming out of the house. 
Mm. And David would make me go over there and knock on the door every few days because he was like, I don't want her have, committing suicide mm-hmm. or something right, happening. Right. And that's just not even know what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I finally got to the point where I thought, I'm about to become a reclusive dog lady if I don't make myself <laughs> move. <laughs> and, you know, a lot of people would say the night times were the hardest. But for me, it was the morning because mm-hmm. I could take something and go to sleep. But when I woke up, it all hit me again. And... Julie, you know the crazy journey of us having a dog. Now, I know you weren't a huge dog fan, but under Candy, I know you're a, a you were, doodle yeah. girl. No, that's right. Right. we just say that's the biggest <laughs> joke ever because David Landreth <laughs> talked about dogs in the house all the time. Now, you talk about polar opposites, he and Robbie, which is so hilarious. Uh, yes, but how thoughtful of him because he did get a dog before Aww. and no one, I think, Aww. that Aww. was going to be your companion. We got Daisy, like, in, I think the last week of August. Little did we know, David was going to die in that November and he was in the hospital from probably September on back and forth and that dog though made me have to get up in the morning mm-hmm. and so it really was a, a treasure there <laughs> you know to make me have to move yeah because some days you don't want to move and um, but I think you have to just continue to press on and think okay I'm still here Lord what's the plan help me be about it mm-hmm. and show me what it is and um, and, and I think both of y'all are, are really optimistic people. And I tend to want to be that way, too. Sometimes there's things that hit so hard that it's hard. But yeah, I yeah. did still want to get up and think, Lord, what do you have in store for me today? Let me be about it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so good. So sometimes that was just moving. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I think what I love about what you're saying is you continued an active pursuit mm-hmm. of God, you know, because you knew that might not have been necessarily what you were feeling like in those moments, but you knew that's what you needed to do to remain as healthy as you could be as you walked that journey. Mm-hmm. And I think it is so, I think we can never underestimate grief and how it affects everybody and how that the natural thing would to be to shelter ourselves in some way, mm-hmm. whether it's staying in the house or not being around people or, or whatever. And, but the fact that you actively continued that pursuit of God, and then you, you in a way pushed yourself to like, you know, I need to get up. I need to get out. I need mm-hmm. to be able to, you know, walk through life now that the Lord has allowed this to be my journey. And I just think that is so that's awesome because I feel like that is, I mean, not that I've gone through anything quite like this, but the most healthy way you could have done that, you know. And well, not to mention you were having to be mom to three children still. I mean, even though they them. were adults and parent them. Yeah, yeah. that was, okay. you know, a whole well, other part of that process. And I think right after David died, too, I, you know, I've, and, and you may feel like this, too, Candy, but as the former pastor's wife or the mm-hmm. pastor's wife, I felt like a mother hen sure. with my church. Yes. And they're trying to, they're all grieving yes. and falling apart. And I wanted to help them, but I was the same mm-hmm. way. So it was mm-hmm. really hard to walk that journey yeah. uh, together yeah. along yeah. that way. Yeah. But, and I think, I think there's a beautiful aspect to that and also a hard aspect because you're unified in all of that. You know what I mean? Like y'all have walked this long road and this is where I'll, I can get emotional. <laughs> but y'all did all that together. <laughs> <sighs> And I think, um, you know, for Robbie and I, like walking in to that, not personally having experienced something like that, but that that was that was huge to walk into the the grief that Mm -hmm. the church had gone through, you know, is um, 
was powerful, you know, and something that um, had to be handled delicately, you know, and I don't think we always did the right thing in the right moments necessarily. Um, But I just feel like there's a beautiful aspect to that, that grieving process that happened as y'all all walked through that together. You know what I mean? Well, there's a closeness there, I think, that probably did make our fellowship much closer and yeah. unified. But I know that was hard to come into. I mean, that yeah, it, that's not the situation most people want to come into. Right, right. Is after a beloved pastor dies who's been right. there for 18 years. That's yeah. just tough. And everybody's kind of still limping. Right. I think. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think... There's so much that we can talk about mm-hmm. on that conversation, and I think we might do that in our mm-hmm. next episode because a lot of that, what we're even kind of touching the surface of now, has to do with calling, mm-hmm. you know. And I think um, so. I think we can anticipate a a sweet and powerful conversation in yeah. our next episode for sure. Before we leave this one, yes, tell us what happened a couple of years ago. Uh, as far as you're no longer Jennifer Landreth, but now you're <laughs> Jennifer Landreth Oliver. So That's the right. Lord That's has, good. yeah brought someone into your life tell us about that. well it's really crazy because i had said after i went through that journey with david i would never get married again i just wasn't going there Mm -hmm. it was too much pain too much hurt and Mm -hmm. i just thought Mm -hmm. so that was not an avenue i really uh wanted to even entertain and julie it was the night before we left for vietnam Mm -hmm. i went on a mission trip with long hollow i'd come back from cleveland and spent the night with my daughter and i remember her asking me mom do you think you'll ever remarry and i said I don't see that happening. And um, I said, but you know, I'm at the place in my life where if I can glorify God best single, I'm happy with that. If I can glorify God married, then he's going to have to just hit me across the face and bring this person in. And it was after the trip to Vietnam that I get this phone call. Yeah, I'd spend a and, week with her, and she never tells me anything. <laughs> well, no, this. it didn't happen No, after I that. know. Oh, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> Continue on the cause. So anyway, so I get this phone call and um, ended up going out to, with Jack Oliver, who had lost his wife to mm-hmm. cancer, and he was on staff at Judson Baptist. And so uh, just there's so many details there that the mm-hmm. Lord just really worked out. And I really tried to push that away. Mm-hmm. for a while i know you um, didn't tell your friends for a long time well because i couldn't accept it myself i'm not i'm just going out <laughs> to like, get a free meal from this right. guy okay <laughs> if we can hear the journeys that we've gone on and get something then that's it that's, that's all i thought it was gonna be and little did i know though as it went on um nine months later we're married but it's like the lord just made it so evident in so many ways he said, I've brought this guy into your life to love you, but you keep pushing me away. Mm. Through. Wow. And, and I had to, I was like, for me not to take those steps, then mm. I knew I was being disobedient. Mm. And the Lord has greatly blessed my life with his three children who are now all married and around the ages of mine. And when we all get together, it's just a great time. Mm. So takes you back to what we started off with. God is sovereign. Amen. God knows. Amen. And the church is God's. It's not a man's. That's right. You know what I'm saying? And we're reminded of that, that mm. the Lord, um, and I remember doing that documentary just saying, you know what? Mm. People come and go, but mm-hmm. God remains the same yesterday, today, and forever. And that really, as we're in ministry, is where that is our foundation. That's where we all have to, always have to go back to because mm-hmm. – um, we don't know. Life takes yeah. a lot of unexpected mm. turns. So thanks, Jen, for mm. sharing. That was 
that was painful to hear again and relive some of that. But um, I'm sure there's some who are listening today who who are suffering through grief or yes. struggles. And uh, I hope it encourages you today to just be reminded that in, in your pain that God sees you. He knows right where you are. He is your comfort. Um, and he is the God of all comfort. So let him minister to you where you are today and know that he will never leave you nor forsake you. Mm. Well, this has been a great conversation, Jen. Thanks for being here with us today. We loved having you. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to be with you all. And we'll talk to y'all real soon. Mm -hmm. Thanks for joining us for this episode. Take a second to subscribe and share this podcast. You can receive free resources to help you make disciples in your group, home, or church by clicking the link in the show notes or visiting our website at replicate.org.